Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Sean, Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website, www.goldengems.net, where we also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits, which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the golden days of radio. Welcome once again to Golden Gems. In our podcast today, we're featuring the new Christie Minstrels. Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen here, glad to be with you today. As we review the lives and the career on the new Christie Minstrels, they're an American large ensemble folk music group founded by Randy Sparks in 1961. The group had recorded more than 20 albums and scored several hits, including Green Green, Saturday Night, Today, Denver, and This Land is Your Land. The group's 1962 debut album, presenting the new Christy Minstrels, won a Grammy Award and was on the Billboard charts for two years. The group sold millions of records, was in demand at concerts and on television shows, and helped launch the musical careers of several musicians, including Kenny Rogers, Gene Clark, Kim Carnes, Larry Ramos, and Barry McGuire. Barks had been a solo performer, mixing folk music with pop standards, and playing club dates on the West Coast and in Manhattan. Twice winner of the All-Navy Talent Competition, he landed high-profile television appearances and a recording contract with Verve Records. In 1960, at the suggestion of Verve founder Norman Grants, he formed the Randy Sparks Three with his wife Jackie Miller and singer-arranger Nick Woods. But he wanted a larger group. Folk music was popular, and choral groups like the Norman Luboff Choir were incorporating folk classics into their repertoire. Parks felt that these groups sang too perfectly, lacking the rustic character of folk performance. Throughout 1961 and 1962, he created a 14-voice ensemble, the New Christy Minstrels, by combining his trio with the Oregon Quartet, the Fairmount Singers, a trio called the in-group banjo player Billy Cudmore, folk blues singer Terry Wadsworth, folk singer Dolan Ellis, and singer-guitarist Art Podell. Large commercial folk groups did not exist in those days, and the new Christie Minstrels delivered a robust new sound. Sparks named his group after Christie's Minstrels, a blackface group formed by Philadelphia-born showman Edwin Pierce Christie in 1842, and known for including Stephen Foster's compositions. Sparks also saw his group as a means of attracting attention to his own original songs and adaptation of folk classics. The original plan was that the group would be a recording act only, and several members joined with the assumption 
that their commitment would be only for occasional studio work. In April 1962, the group reduced to 10 members after the early departure of the Fairmont Singers, recorded their debut album presenting the new Christie Minstrels for Columbia Records. Eventually, the album won a Grammy Award for Best Performance by a Chorus and set on the Billboard 200 charts for two years, peaking at number 19. The album included Woody Guthrie's This Land is Your Land, which entered the pop singles charts in December of 1962. However, prior to the album's release, Irving Townsend, head of Columbia Records, West Coast A&R, demanded that Sparks turn the group into a legitimate performing ensemble that could make live appearances to promote their releases. Otherwise, he would not release the album. Sparks agreed, and at Townsend's request, hired business managers George Grief and Sid Garris, Grief Garris Management, to help his large unproven group get bookings to generate the revenue needed to cover payroll and costs. Some of the band's members had no interest in committing full-time to what they saw as a high-risk project. Others had contract obligations and were unavailable. Yester, Dugan, Forsha, Wadsworth, and Cudmore all quit a few weeks after the recording sessions. Sparks had lost half his roster when his new business managers landed the booking for the group to become regulars on The Andy Williams Show a weekly variety show set to debut in the fall of 1962. Sparks, Grief Garris, and remaining members looked for replacements. Among the new hires were the folk duo Barry and Barry, folk singers Barry McGuire and Barry Kane, vocalist Peggy Connolly, singer-banjoist Larry Ramos, and tenor Clarence Treat, upright bass and mandolin. The new lineup broke in their act at the Troubadour in Los Angeles in July-August 1962, which included a mix of folk Americana, a smattering of vaudevillian humor, and step-out solos, duos, and trios. They were a smash success and garnered rave reviews from both The Hollywood Reporter and Variety. When The Williams Show debuted in October, the new Christie Minstrels quickly became one of its most popular features. Conley was replaced by vocalist Gail Caldwell. In early December, they appeared at the Coconut Grove with comedian George Goebel, then at Carnegie Hall with singer-comedian Alan Sherman. The group's second album, The New Christie Minstrels in Person, was released in February of 1963 and was recorded in September of 62 while Conley was still in the lineup. In January 1963, the group recorded the new Christy Minstrel's Tell Tall Tales, Legends and Nonsense, which was released in May, shortly after the Andy Williams show had wrapped up for the season. By now, the group's fame had grown considerably, and they received a raft of enthusiastic reviews. In April 1963, Following a successful appearance at the Latin Quarter in New York, the group recorded another studio album, Rambling, which included Green Green, a McGuire Sparks composition that became the group's first hit single, peaking at number three in the adult contemporary charts. 
Green Green sold over one million copies in 1963 and was awarded a gold disc. In May of 1963, Sparks stopped touring with the group to focus on developing material for the group and opening a nightclub in Los Angeles called Leadbetters, which he intended to use as a magnet for fresh talent and a training ground for future minstrels in the event he needed replacements. By the end of the year, he had formed the Back Porch Majority, which was positioned initially as the farm team for the new Christie Minstrels. It proved to be a wise move. He passed the role of frontman for the group on the concert trail to McGuire, who had an engaging warmth and charisma that had charmed audiences in concerts and on the Williams appearances. Soon after McGuire's promotion, Ellis left and was replaced by Gene Clark. Clark was hired before the Black Porch majority had taken shape, so he went straight into the minstrels, an exciting but terrifying challenge for a shy country boy. He'd been discovered at a local club in Kansas City while the group was on tour. Although a talented singer, Clark was inhibited by the cocky confidence of his new bandmates and was hesitant in lobbying for a turn at the mic. So on stage, he tended to withdraw to the side and had a low-key presence. Sparks was not satisfied with his lack of spirit on stage and by the end of the year had concluded he needed to find a replacement, in part because he saw the writing on the wall, but also because he was losing interest in folk music amidst the British invasion triggered by the Beatles. Clark quit the group early in 1964 of his own volition. Clark was replaced by Paul Potash, a former singer-partner of Art Padell in Art and Paul, a successful folk duo back in 1960 and 1961. At about the same time, the group's two female singers, Jackie Miller and Gail Caldwell, also left, tired of the group's grueling concert schedule. They were replaced by alto Karen Gunderson, formerly a featured vocalist in a folk trio called the Sherwood Singers and soprano Ann White. All three replacements were graduates of the Back Porch Majority Farm Team Program, promoted to the Minstrels in late February of 1964. Late in 1963, Sparks had been contracted to create a film score for Advance to the Rear, featuring Glenn Ford and Stella Stevens. The corresponding soundtrack performed by the new Christie Minstrels was released in May 1964 as Today and Other Songs from Advance to the Rear. It was the first complete soundtrack ever made in the folk music style. The score is notable for the hit standard Today, which was written by Sparks. The Today single reached number four on the adult contemporary charts and number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100, and the album cracked Billboard's Top 10. In the summer of 1964, the new Christie Minstrels were featured in the TV series Ford Presents the New Christie Minstrels, a weekly variety show sponsored by the Ford Motor Company and broadcast as a summer replacement for Hazel. Each episode had an outdoor setting, with two filmed at the 1964 New York World's Fair, and three at popular venues in the Los Angeles area. 
Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, and Pacific Ocean Park. A guest comedian appeared with a group in each episode. Ford Presents the New Christie Minstrels ran for five weeks, from August 6th to September 10th, 1964, airing on NBC from 9.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday throughout, throughout its run. In late summer of 1964, Randy Sparks decided to sell his interest in the group to his business partners, Grief Garris Management, George Grief and Sid Garris. He shifted his focus to Leadbetters, reviving his solo career and launching the careers of other groups. By this time, the name Randy Sparks had become a magnet for aspiring talent. So Randy's club soon became a showcase for performers who later went on to major fame. Among these were John Denver, the Carpenters, the Hagers, Gary Muldeer, comedian Steve Martin, and many others. His farm team for the Christie's, the Backport's majority, were soon launched on a successful career of their own. In January of 1965, the new Christie minstrels, now under the leadership of Grief Garris, embarked on their first European tour, appearing in London, Copenhagen, Stockholm, Amsterdam, and finally at the prestigious San Remo Festival in Italy, where they performed the two winning songs. One of these songs, Le Colline Sono in Fiore, which features a romantic duo by Nick Woods and Karen Gunderson, became a number one hit single in Italy early in the spring. Upon the group's return to the States, McGuire left to embark on a solo career. Because he'd been the group's front man for 18 months by then, and the familiar voice on Green Green, their biggest hit, his departure spelled the end of the original New Christie Minstrels in the minds of the fans. Grief Garris had roots in the big band era and never had any interest in folk music, which was fading fast anyway. So they started to move the group toward more of a variety act, doing novelty and pop tunes and a little comedy. Reflecting this shift, they had a Billboard Top 100 hit in the spring of 1965 with the cover of Chim Chim Cherie from the Disney's film Mary Poppins. They also performed the song live on the Academy Award telecast the night it won Best Song. Turnover in the group's roster started to accelerate through 1965 and at an even faster rate in the years that followed. Paul Potash had left the same time as McGuire in early February. They were replaced by pop folk singer Bob Buchanan and Michael Whalen, respectively both performers on the L.A. club circuit. In April 1965, Barry Kane quit and was replaced by Will Teague. In late July, Clarence Street was replaced by Bill Skiles and Pete Henderson, a.k.a. Skiles and Henderson, a comedy duo that broadened the new Christy Minstrel stage act. In September, Nick Woods was replaced by Rusty Evans, and in January 1966, Larry Ramos left, eventually joining the association, and was replaced by noted folk singer-songwriter Mike Settle. In late February, Art Podell, Karen Gunderson, and Michael Whalen left. Among their replacements were singer-songwriter 
Michael McGinnis, and pop folk singer Edie Mae Kellogg, the sister of Lynn Kellogg, of the Broadway cast of Hair. In July 1966, Anne White left, the last player to leave who had worked in the group during the Sparks era. Anne White's departure was part of a major personnel shakeup. She, Skiles and Henderson, Will Teague and Bob Buchanan all left about the same time. Among their replacements, in addition to Kim Carnes, were folk singer Mark Holly, former Fairmount singer Dave Ellingson, tenor Terry Williams, and a pop singer from Texas by the name of Kenny Rogers. In 1967, Williams and Mike Settle made plans to leave the minstrels and form a folk rock group back in Los Angeles. They recruited Kenny Rogers into the project late in the spring along with another minstrel, Thelma Camacho, a soprano who had been classically trained but had a bluesy edge in her sound. Together as a quartet joined by drummer Mickey Jones, they debuted as the first edition in August of 67 on the Ledbetter stage. In the years that followed, Rogers broke out and became a huge success in country music. In the spring of 1980, he reunited with old bandmate Kim Carnes for a duet, Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer, which became number four on the Hot 100. The rapid turnover took a toll on the group's sound as an ensemble. While the group almost always featured top talent throughout the 60s and into the early 70s, the constant churn made it effectively impossible to hone a group blend. During the days on the Andy Williams show, the group roster was more stable and the group had the key advantage of working with the show's musical choral director, George Weil. Week after week, they would work with him on new choral arrangements to back Williams and his guest stars, in addition to performing their own spotlight material. As a result, they honed a beautiful sound as a chorus in their own right, which was on full display on their Rambling album in particular, which was recorded on Columbia's 30th Street studio, once an old church and known for its superb acoustics. From the late 60s through the 70s and into the mid-80s, the new Christie minstrels continued to perform across the country, all under the management of Grief Garris. Within this time frame, they released a few more albums, including On Tour through Motortown in 1968, which in the years since has become a kitsch classic as an album of Motown songs performed with pop arrangements by a fading folk group, desperately seeking renewed relevance. In 1970, they performed during Super Bowl IV at Tulane Stadium in New Orleans. They were introduced as the young Americans who demonstrate with guitars. Note, some sources erroneously report that the group disbanded in the early 1970s and reformed late in the decade. This is not true. Toward the end of 1972, Sid Garris was faced with a revolt among the members who had clicked as an ensemble, earning enthusiastic responses from their audiences. The members confronted Grief Garris to gain more creative control and more equitable treatment. Rather than acquiesce, Grief Garris fired the group in mass and started rebuilding from scratch. No doubt this is the source of the rumor 
that the group was disbanded in the early 70s. In the late 1980s and into the early 1990s, the group's concert activity declined steadily until it stopped completely. Early in the new millennium, Randy Sparks was able to register a trademark on the dormant New Christie Minstrel's name and once again became the leader of the group he had started almost 50 years before. He launched a revamped, reinvigorated group on a new series of concerts, playing to sold-out crowds and standing ovations, a satisfying renaissance for the man who started it all. In 2009, a golden palm star on the Walk of Stars was dedicated to Randy Sparks and the new Christy Minstrels. What an amazing group. It's been our pleasure today, Dave and Bill, talking about the new Christy Minstrels and their wonderful career. And if you haven't done so, go to our website, goldengems.net, and listen to many of their great, great hits. This is Dave and Bill thanking you for joining us today here on Golden Gems. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are reliving some of the unforgettable memories from the golden days of radio. To learn more about the career of today's artist and listen to several of their greatest hits, we invite you to go to our website, www.goldengems.net. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We would love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane. And as always, we invite your feedback or comments on goldengemsradio at gmail.com. So until next episode, this is Dave and Bill heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems.